right. Good morning, Mission Bible. And uh, as Pastor Carlos said, my name is Dan Eberhard, and my wife and I and our two kids, Sam and Anna, attend the Morris campus. And we've been there just about since the launch, and we are very grateful for the community that we've formed within Mission, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity this morning to share with you all. So, and like I said, also got COVID last time. So this whole last week, I was like super nervous and very anxious of like, do I even go out and like do anything? Cause I'm afraid I'm going to get sick or like tried to leave earlier too this morning. So I'm like, I might get a flat tire or something because of what happened last time, but we're here. So um, first thing is I need your help with this. So I'm going to say a phrase and I'd like you to finish it off for me. Okay. So sticks and stones may break my bones, but... That was pretty good. One more time with a little bit more passion, okay? So, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Yeah, either words will never hurt me or names will never hurt me. I'm sure that many of us obviously have heard this from someone. We've maybe believed this to be true at one time or another. We've told it to someone. And I would say that there's definitely an element of that phrase that's true. Someone calling you a name or using words isn't going to physically break any of your bones, thankfully. Um, But I would say that they can and they do hurt. I think we forget oftentimes the power that our words have and what they are capable of. So I'm sure we can all think of a time when we've been hurt by someone else's words or a name that they may have called us. I know that I have. I can think back 20 years ago when I was in high school and starting out as a young teenager and trying to find connection and find your place in the world and in this big thing called high school. And in high school, I was the second shortest in my class. So that's an important distinction, not the shortest in my class, but second shortest. So I had to take my wins where I could get them. And the other thing that my classmates let me know is that I had a larger than normal size head. And so the name that they called me when I was in high school was Little Big or Little Body, Big Head, LB for short. And thinking back to that time and when they called me that name, like I can still remember the feeling that I had walking through the hallways of school, going to practice, on the bus, going to games. And people calling me that name and the hurt that I felt deep inside. And it just fed into insecurities that I had and feeling like, am I good enough? Can I do this? Do they like me? Um, Am I strong enough for this? And hearing those words just fed into that. And so with that, I want to look more into God's word and see what it says about the power of words. So first I want to start with James 1, 19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow to get angry. So there's another phrase I'm sure you've heard. We all have two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? We need to be listening a lot more than we're speaking. And this is part of why. is because those words are true. Now, if you're, if you're married, you know that this is true. If you're a neighbor, a coworker, a classmate, a parent, or a child, this word from James speaks to us all. But yet it's still so easy for us to put our foot in our mouth over and over again. 
James mentions this because we need to be reminded that our words have power. Let's read on further in the book of James and go to James chapter 3. So James 3, 3 through 5 says this, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So in this passage here, we have a horse, we have a large ship, and we have a forest fire. The horse is guided by the bit in its mouth, and the tongue is powerful like this. The tongue is powerful also like the rudder steering the ship and the spark that ignites a forest fire. Now, speaking of a spark, back in 2015, my wife and I lived in Boise, Idaho, and after we moved there, shortly after we moved, there was a news story that dropped that's going to be one that's hard to forget. There was a cyclist that was driving, riding their bike through the foothills, and that's Boise's version of mountains, so not quite a hill. It's a little bit bigger than a hill, but not quite a mountain like other parts of Idaho, and he was riding through the foothills, and he needed to make a pit stop. And usually if you need to pull on the side of the road when you're riding through the forest and in the foothills, there's no Casey's, Thorntons, there's no Porta Johns out there. So you have to take care of what you can in the woods. And so he did that. And usually if you're environmentally conscious, you pack out. So whatever you use, you put the toilet paper in a Ziploc bag, zip it up, take it home, dispose of it properly there. And admittedly, that's gross. But if you want to be environmentally conscious, that's what you do. So I don't know if this gentleman didn't have a Ziploc bag on him or maybe he was just a pyro, but instead of packing it out or burying it, he decided that he was gonna light the toilet paper on fire. So the single spark lit his toilet paper on fire and then that toilet paper ended up lighting the whole forest on fire. So these couple squares of toilet paper and the lighter resulted in 73 acres of forest being destroyed. Here's that news article here. And all of this black area was all of the forest that was burned from this cyclist's toilet paper that he decided to burn that day. To put it in perspective, a American football field is 1.32 acres. So this is the equivalent of 55 football fields destroyed from that fire from his couple of squares of toilet paper. So our tongues, the words, the things that we say have power, and it's important that we don't use them carelessly like our cyclist and his toilet paper. God's word tells us that our words have power, and we know this from our own experience to be true, because communication shapes the way that we relate to and understand one another. The words we say, the tones we use, words are powerful. They have the potential to be dangerous like that cyclist spark, and can cause destruction in their path. So why am I talking about the power of words? And this is clearly something that James believes in and wants to get across to us and sharing as a part of the extended version of our SHAPE series. Well, I'm glad that you asked. So over the summer, the beginning of the summer before the series started, Pastor Eric at the Morse campus sent me a text and said, hey, what are couple of the verses that have been impactful for you in your life, that have shaped you into who you are. 
So I sent him a text back after thinking it through, sent him over seven to 10 of the verses that have impacted me in a big way. And after I sent that over, I didn't think anything of it and just thought, okay, here's those verses and we'll see, you know, what he does with those or if he comes back with anything else. And a couple weeks later, he gave me a phone call and he said, you know, hey, Dan, how do you feel about preaching as a part of our SHAPE series? And I was like, well, you know, admittedly, I feel pretty nervous and anxious about it, but I'm, I'm open to it. And so I was like, well, think about it and we'll, I'll, I'll pray with my wife on it. And, and then he's like, okay, well, how do you feel about, and before we'd even just settled on a specific verse, he was like, how do you feel about preaching on Ephesians 4.29? And funny enough, that verse that he asked me out of that whole list that I provided him is actually a verse that I have written on a note card um, that I'd wrote, written on here, written on here um, probably three years ago now. And I have it next to my computer at my workstation at home as a constant reminder because this verse is something that is very impactful for me and I believe for us. And so I needed that reminder. And so after he asked me that question and it was that verse, it's like, okay, God, like I guess I, guess I need to step into this and see what you have for me. So our verse this morning is Ephesians 4.29. And Ephesians 4.29 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So when I read this verse, and especially this word unwholesome, I read it I'm like, okay, like does that mean don't swear, don't call people names? Okay, but what, is, what does it really mean? Is there more to it than that? And so if you look into the definition of unwholesome, it's this, according to Webster's. It's detrimental to physical, mental, or moral well-being. So now I want to read the verse and replacing unwholesome with the definition. So do not let any talk that is detrimental to physical, mental, or moral well-being come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that I may benefit those who listen. So now this verse applies to two groups of people. This verse applies to anyone that hears or the external, and it also applies to the internal, to ourselves. And so first I wanna start with the internal aspect. So the way that we communicate with ourselves Comparing, I'm sorry, the way that we compare with ourselves and our internal self-talk, whether you say things out loud about yourself, things you're thinking about out loud and others give you goofy looks like I tend to do, or just have thoughts within your head or a decision that you made or a thought that you had, is that internal dialogue you're having one that tears you down or builds you up? Negative self-talk, talk that is tearing you down, Comparing yourselves to others' highlight reels, especially in the age of Instagram and Facebook, Twitter, all these things where people are putting out their top 5 to 10% moments, and you're comparing that to 100% of your junk or the difficulties that you're experiencing, sets us up for failure. Or having thoughts of not believing in ourselves, saying things like, I'm not good enough, or I don't deserve this, or I do deserve this negative thing. And I believe firmly that God is calling us to run from that negative self-talk. If it is tearing you down, 
or others, flee from it. For me, I struggle with comparison and fighting negative self-talk. That's a big part of why this verse is so impactful for me and I believe for us today. We need to focus on what God says about us as opposed to the negative thoughts that come in. We're able to do this by spending time in God's word and with God's people. So speaking of spending time with God and in his word, I want to look at another verse here. Psalm 139, verse 23. It says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So when we get in those moments where we do that downward spiral, we're having those negative thoughts come into our heads, I want to encourage you to take a step back, to pause, remember this verse, and ask God, search me, O God, and know my heart. Know my thoughts. Ask God what he believes about you and what the things that you're processing through to see if that lines up with what God says about you. Or are these negative thoughts that are coming in that are tearing you down? And in addition to that, to spending time with God and his word, spending time with God's people, making sure that we have a community that we are in relationship with that are focused on building the body up and not tearing it down. So a short plug for small groups or life group, if you're not a part of a small group or a life group, I would encourage you to look into doing that. I know for me that's something that's been very impactful through my journey as we're trying to live this life that we have difficult moments and we have to have hard conversations and we're going to have struggles and trials and to have fellow believers that are going to be there to build you up and to help you and support you in those moments is crucial for all of us. And one of the reasons also that this passage, like I mentioned, is so important and impactful to me and I believe for us is oftentimes we're our harshest critic for both big and small things. And I know I at least tend to be. So back in the beginning of August, I had a company event, and I worked for a software company based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so I went up there, it was a two-day event, and the start of the event, as a part of our support department, the, all the different managers decided to give out awards to all of their team members. And these weren't like, employee of the year awards or number one support rep or anything like that tied to a bonus or anything. These were like, if you remember the like 1990s clip art, printed out, really terrible illustrations and some kind of goofy name or goofy award written on it. So these were the type of awards that were given out. And one of the awards that one of my colleagues got, my colleague Dante, he got the award for most likely to be in a hair commercial. So shampoo, conditioner, something of that sort. And admittedly, Dante has beautiful hair. It's down to his shoulders. It's long. It's full. And I'm admittedly jealous of that. But it, as you can tell, I'm follically challenged. So that's not in the cards for me. And I, I've learned to come to grips with that. Other awards people got for multitasking or hard work or being a great project manager Another one of my colleagues, Chad, got the Socrates Award for deep conversations and being thoughtful. And so as I'm hearing these different awards, I'm hearing the multitasking and the project manager role, and, and I'm hearing the Socrates Award for deep conversation and being thoughtful. And that's something that's very important to me. So I'm like, oh, cool, like he got the Socrates Award. Like, 
what award am I going to get? Am I going to get another different philosopher or something for being thoughtful and having deep conversations? That was not the award that I was given. So the award that I got <laughs> was the, the Dr. Robotnik Award. So I'll give you one guess why I got the Dr. Robotnik Award. Uh, it's a pretty difficult one to figure out. So, so then I'm like, he got this award for like deep conversations and being thoughtful. And I got the Dr. Robotnik Award for having a goofy mustache. And I'm like, oh, geez. Like, so I started going down that spiral where I'm like, oh man, like if I got this award, and he's just like kind of, oh, just trying to be funny or whatever. Does he like Chad better or is he a better worker than I am or does he not like me as much or does he not see other value that I bring to the company? And I started spiraling and then I was reminded of this verse. And now I don't do this all the time, admittedly, and, and not as much as I should, but in this instance was one that I did. I took a step back and I was trying to process through I know my manager, I know it wasn't ill-intentioned or anything, and he's my best manager that I've ever had at a company and helped me to grow a lot in my career. And so I started thinking, okay, I need to seek first to understand. I need to look at, okay, why did Chad get the Socrates Award? And I haven't, being in a remote environment, I hadn't had a lot of time to connect with him on a one-on-one level. And so I'm like, man, I need to try to have some conversations with him and learn more about that. And so I was able to connect with him after, and we found out we were interested in going to a lot of the same personal and professional development sessions, and had some really good, thoughtful conversations with him, and were able to connect more on a deep level and may develop a book club or something out of that through this. But had I went to where initially I wanted to go, like building a wall up and being frustrated, and not seeking to understand, instead of just being jealous of the award that he got and actually having the conversation to see why did he get this award, and maybe I would have missed out on that opportunity to connect with him on a deeper level. So as a reminder, the way that we communicate, receive, and interpret others' words matter. So when we start to have negative self-talk echoing in our heads, tearing ourselves down, we need to remember how God sees us because he sees us the way that we are, his child, and we are more than the sum total of our worst decisions. He loves us and loves you more than you could ever imagine. So next what I wanna do is I wanna go through several different verses here and things that God says about us in his word. So if you have a physical Bible or a digital Bible and you wanna try to sword drill it and keep up, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, if not, just sit back and listen to these words and let them marinate over you. So first, we'll look at Ephesians 2.10, the first part of the verse. It says, we are God's workmanship, God's masterpiece. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The ultimate gift, the ultimate sacrifice. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, the new life has begun. John 10.10, 10, the latter half of the verse, says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God tells us in Exodus that we are his treasured possession. God created us in his image and his Holy Spirit lives in us. 
We're reminded throughout Scripture to see what God sees, to build up yourself and others and not tear down. He calls us to have life and have it to the full, not to the half, not to the quarter, to the three quarters. He calls us to have life to the full. This will help change your negative self-talk and help you shift from tearing yourself down to building yourself up. So now we've talked about the internal and how this applies to our self-talk and the thoughts that we have in our head. Let's move on to the second group here, to anyone that hears or the external. So when someone tells you things like, you never or you always, what's your problem? What's wrong? Or that wasn't very smart. Someone say those things to you, do, you, do they give you the warm fuzzies? Do you feel all like built up and ready to take on the day? Not a chance, right? It makes you feel torn down. It makes you feel beat up. Because of the tone and the words that are coming out of my mouth, they're likely not building anyone up, but they're leaving destruction in their path. What's wrong and what's your problem are the two that I most use that I shouldn't. And I know a few people that would confirm that for you. When I assume something is wrong or that there's a problem and usually there's not, but if I'm not careful with the way that I'm using my words, a problem may develop from that based on the way that I'm communicating. And this not only happens within our homes and with our families, but this external group is anyone that hears. So at school, at work, at the grocery store, the gas station, what we are communicating and how we say it matters. Our tone, how we respond to others, our facial expressions, the delivery, it all plays into it positively and negatively. Now for a moment, I would like you all to picture and think back to your most favorite gift that you've ever received. So whether it was birthday or Christmas, I want you to think back and think of what's your top gift or your most favorite gift. And while you do that, I'm going to drink some coffee. All right, does everybody have a favorite gift? One that pops into your mind? So I want to ask you, now that you have your favorite gift in mind, did anyone else think of sticky notes when they thought of their most favorite gift they've ever received? Any sticky notes? Nope, just me? Okay, cool. So the most favorite gift that I've ever received was literally sticky notes. Back in 2016... My wife collaborated with one of my coworkers. She sent him a manila envelope in the mail. It included an eight and a half by 11 sheet and a bunch of sticky notes. And then she mailed it to him. And before I came into work on my birthday that day, he set up the eight and a half by 11 sheet on my desk that said, Dan, I love you because you are. And all the sticky notes were different things that my wife loved about me or loves about me. And he placed them all over my cubicle. So I walked in and that's what I was greeted with on my birthday and was just blown away, just the feeling that I felt seeing that and seeing all the encouragement and the things that my wife saw in me. And so judging by this and the talk so far, I, I'm sure you can imagine that words of affirmation is one of my top love languages. And with that, there's a heightened sensitivity and awareness to words, both positively and negatively. So that is exactly why one of my all-time favorites, like I said, is a bunch of literal sticky notes. 
So now I don't know if you're familiar with the five love languages, but if you're not, there are a list of essentially five different ways that we give and receive love. Gary Chapman wrote a book about this after doing some extensive research in a book, funny enough, called The Five Love Languages. And they are words of affirmation, gifts, quality time, acts of service, and physical touch. If you've not read it or taken the test to discover what your love languages are, I would highly recommend it. So this gift and these sticky notes are a great example of someone using their words to build up and not tear down. I'm still reminded of this gift on a regular basis, and I still have all of those sticky notes saved. I flipped the paper over and put them all on there and taped it, and I have it in a bin with all of my other papers um, that I saved. Um, but it is a very impactful thing. So with our external communication, we need to be mindful of the way that we are communicating like Abby was for my birthday, not allowing unwholesome talk to come out of our mouths and using our words to build up and not tear down. It's not always going to look the same. It can be situational, right? So if you see someone that's standing in the middle of the street and they have their headphones on and a car's coming, you're not going to sit back and be like, oh, how can I encourage them and say something kind to then try to get them out of the way into safety? No, like you're likely going to get out of the way, move, and you're going to push them out of the way or pull them out of the way to get them out of danger because this calls for your attention quickly and directly to make sure that they're safe. And in addition to these different situational moments that might arise, when we say building up, we're not saying that you're not being truthful with individuals. In life, we'll all have difficult conversations that we'll need to have, and the way that we deliver those and carry them out matters. Your words matter, and I'm not telling you to lie to someone to try to build them up. Now, if you were to come to me and tell me that I was going to be the next superstar quarterback in the NFL, that I was going to be the next Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and someone that has never played tackle football outside of recess, is vertically challenged compared to most quarterbacks, have a difficult time fitting into a helmet, we might have other questions for you. But if you were to tell me that I had a chance at being the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears, then maybe I might have a chance. <laughs> but we won't go there. So all kidding aside, we're wanting to build others up, not give them false hope or to lie to them. And sometimes that means having tough conversations because we care. And when we have those conversations, we need to ha handle them as such with care. Your relationship capital matters, and it's important that we approach these conversations with love and care to ensure that we're building others up and not tearing them down. Remember to not communicate what you think someone might want or need, but discover what is helpful for them according to their needs and not yours. This requires you to be curious, to not approach conversations as if you have them figured out. Ask questions, seek first to understand, because what you say impacts those around you. So, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Church, do not let any talk that is detrimental to physical, mental, or moral well-being come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
So when we get in those situations, we need to think, am I building up or am I tearing down? Now imagine, church, if we were to take this into account at home, at work, at school, the grocery store, when we get emotional or frustrated, the difference that this would make if we all got better at it. Do you think that people would notice? What if as Christians we were known for someone that was building others up and building ourselves up? What kind of impact do you think that this could have on our families, our neighborhoods, cities, counties, and beyond? What if mission could be a catalyst to power this shift? So I would change our phrase from the beginning from to sticks and stones may break my bones and the words hurt too. Remember that people matter to God and as people of God, it's on us. Words are powerful. We have the ability to build up or tear down. So let's all be builders using our words internally and externally to build ourselves and one another up, letting God's light shine for all those around us. Let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, God, we just thank you so much for today, and we thank you for the gift of your son that you give us, Lord, and I thank you for the opportunity this morning to share on Ephesians 4.29, on this internal and external talk. God, I pray that you help all of us and you help me to be better at this. Lord, that we would not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, that if we feel these negative thoughts come into our brains and we feel like we can't do this or we don't deserve it, Lord, that we would take a step back, that we would pause and we would seek you first and we would ask for your help and you would help us discern in that moment. And also externally when we communicate to others, God, I pray that you would help us to listen more, to seek first, to understand and watch what we're saying to communicate to others, reminding us that our words do have power, Lord, and that we would be mindful of that and build others up as much as we can, Father. And I pray that you help us to just be reminded of your love and that you are with us every moment. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, church. And as uh, Pastor Carlos said, if you guys have a few moments, if you can help stack chairs to the side there, that would be very helpful. Thank you and have a great week.